Well, good morning and welcome again to worship this morning and thank you so much for being a part of this body. As V said, the word is already anointed and we enter back into that word again today in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Before we dive into the word today in our second week here in the Chosen series where we're talking about how God has empowered us to walk in a new way and accept a challenge from him from Matthew chapter 25. I'd invite all the kids in the room ages 4 to 10 to accompany Miss Michelle in the back of the room there. And again, that is a very loose 4 to 10. If you are 3-ish and old, on the older 3 side or on the young 11 side, you're welcome to join all the kids over there as well. I know they have a great time together. So yeah, so this series has, uh, has, has kind of opened our eyes to our chosenness. The idea of being chosen by God and specifically being chosen for a particular reason, for a purpose. We want to just kind of call back up the scripture from the reading today, which really is a benchmark reading from a Christian history where you can kind of see a balance of two very important things in the scripture. And I'll just read it again. This is Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8. It says, for by grace you've been saved through faith. And that is not, this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works or anything that you can do, not a result of works, so that none of us can boast. In other words, none of us can truly say, I am responsible for my salvation. We know just by reading the scripture there, who is it that's responsible for our salvation? It is Jesus, isn't it? And in fact, if you look a little bit further up in the scripture, remember when we talk about any key scripture, we want to treat it like a sandwich, right? Where the key scripture of the day is sort of the meat or the peanut butter, and you want to look at the scriptures around it to get context. If you look at the scripture at the top of what we would consider that paragraph, this is what Paul says. He says, as you were and you were dead in the trespasses and sins. Now watch this phrase in which you once walked. Now, this is a special phrase, and this is kind of old-timey language. This goes back in the day where we would not normally talk about walking in something. But back then, most people, in order to transport themselves from one place to another, what kind of transportation would they have? Well, maybe you, you've got the latest camel, you know, maybe your camel model is the latest, most updated camel with all the technology, right? Maybe you have a horse or a donkey, you know, if you're blessed, right? Maybe you get to ride in a wagon behind one of those animals. But in most cases, what did people do for transportation back then? They walked. They walked everywhere they went. In fact, they were probably in very good shape. They got all their steps in every single day, right? Because they walked everywhere they went. And so there was a phrase that meant the way you walk and the walking was the way you lived. So your walking was kind of like a metaphor for the way you lived your life, meaning the state in which you live your life says something about you and about your life, the way you walk. And so Paul refers to that and he says this, uh, and he says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins. You weren't even hanging on life support. You were dead in your trespasses and sins and 
he talks about this idea of the way in which he once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air. We understand that to mean Satan, who is the prince of those angels who rebelled against God and were cast down to the earth. So this is the one that people follow by default when they walk in the way of sin. And remember, walking in the way of is a way in which we live our life. If we live our life in the way of sin, which means we live our life to please who? To please ourselves instead of God or instead of other people in the name of God, then the scripture calls us out and says we are actually walking behind. We're walking in the way of the enemy, uh, the one that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Those among us who continue to do that as a way of living. And then he throws this scripture in at the end of that paragraph to kind of put it all in perspective. The perspective is this. Even though you have been used to doing things in your life according to your sinful nature, Christ has saved you out of that. He's brought you out of that life. And in fact, there's a little bit of, a, I wouldn't even call it a mistake, but it's a nuanceical difference in the scripture where the scripture says that you have been saved. And we are saved by grace through faith. We understand that. But that language actually means something deeper. It means something more. It doesn't mean that you have been saved in that there was a salvation that took place at one point in the past and now you're simply just trying to live according to that one event that happened in the past. What that language actually means is that the state of your life has changed. You now no longer live in a state of damnation, condemnation. You no longer live in that state anymore. Now you live in a state of salvation. Your life has been redeemed from the grave and now you have a new state around you, a new place in which to dwell. And that place is in the Holy Spirit and you have a new path to walk. And so the walking of a path now changes and it becomes the path of one particular person. One who always walked in the path of holiness and righteousness. And what is his name? It is Jesus and so we follow him and we walk in his way. Does that help make sense now? He walks a certain way. The way he lives his life is lived according to the purposes of God. And so now we follow him. We follow and walk in his way as a new way of life, as a state of being. And the reason we do this is because of the bottom half of the sandwich. If you look under that scripture in verse 10, it says this, for or because... For we are his workmanship. In other words, the work that was done to save us was done by Jesus. So you are not responsible for that work. Now, maybe you were raised in a faith tradition that made you feel like you needed to earn your place before God. You needed to read your Bible enough. You needed to go to church enough. You needed to sing in the choir enough. You needed to play drum kit enough, Yuri. You needed to play, you know, in, in the band. You needed to serve with the kids ministry. You needed to do something else in order to earn your way before God. But the scripture very clearly says differently, doesn't it? It says you are not, in, you are not responsible for earning your way. In fact, you are the work that has been done. 
And now you live in the result of that work. Scripture says, for we are his workmanship. We are the thing that he has made. Created in Christ Jesus, we are for good works, for things that are good, which God prepared for beforehand that we should, what? Walk in them. And remember, the walking is a new way of life, isn't it? This walk in them idea, my hope is today, will come very clear for you and for me. As we look at the way that God has reorganized the path of our life. You know, I don't know if you've ever walked for exercise before. And we talked about getting all our steps in a little bit earlier. But today, it's a pretty important thing, especially if you work for a corporation that has a health plan and that tracks all your steps for you and helps you to be healthier. It's pretty important today to get all your steps in. And what's the magic number for the number of steps to be healthy, guys? It's 10,000 a day. And almost like liturgy, the congregation said 10,000. You guys know that it's 10,000 steps a day. And maybe your company or your organization tracks that with you. But it's very important if you're going to get 10,000 steps to have the right shoes on, isn't it? In fact, the right kind of shoes determines your success as to whether you're able to carry on 10,000 steps a day. Now, ladies, if you try to do 10,000 steps a day in three-inch heels, how would that go? The women are laughing out loud. They are LOLing. The reason is because that's crazy. Guys, what if you tried to wear three-inch heels and walk 10,000 steps a day? That would be insane, wouldn't it? That'd be nuts. You got to have the right kind of equipment. And so what Martin Luther did in his treatise on good works, when he was talking about how to do the good works the scripture is talking about, he's not talking about the kind of fake good works where you're trying to earn God's favor and earn your salvation. He's talking about true good works. And look at the way he puts it. He says, the first and highest, most precious of all good works is what? Say it together. Faith in Christ. And as it says in John 6, 28 and 29, when the Jews asked Jesus this key question, now take this in, what must we do? See, they were still trying to get there on their own. They said, what must we do to be doing the good work of God in order to get into his good grace? Jesus flips the script upside down and he says, this is the work of God. Now listen, this is it, that you believe in him. Whom he has sent. And back then that word believe meant something deeper than it does today. It meant believe so much that you follow in action. That you walk in the ways of the person you're following. I don't know if you've seen these shoes before. These belong to Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump said that these shoes were invaluable. In fact, he said you could walk about a million miles in them shoes. Remember that? Yeah, and he wore these shoes out. And in fact, they even took it so far in the movie Forrest Gump. They made a big deal out of the shoes because he wore the shoes everywhere he went. And in fact, when he got a new pair of shoes, he would wear those shoes out. He loved those shoes so much that he wore them everywhere. And it was so important for him to have the right equipment because Forrest Gump did walk about a million miles in those shoes, didn't he? He walked all the way across the country and turned around and decided to do what? Go back again. He had to have the right kind of equipment. 
And the shoes he walked in made all the difference. For you and I, we get a chance to follow suit, to find the right shoes. Those shoes belong to Jesus. You know, this challenge that we've been talking about, this Matthew 25 challenge, here it is in a nutshell. You know, in Matthew 25, Jesus talks about the end of times and he's standing before people who've been divided into groups of, you know, they're called sheep and goats. You know, I don't know that they're dressed like sheep or goats or anything weird like that. Maybe there are signs up, sheets over here, goats over here. But anyway, he talks about how we have the opportunity in this life to serve people in a very real way, in a way that deals with feeding them when they're hungry, visiting them when they're isolated in prison, visiting them and taking care of them when they're sick, things of that nature. And in fact, the Matthew 25 challenge, which will begin today, uh, and actually the text will start tomorrow, the Matthew 25 challenge does this. It challenges us, along with our partnership with World Vision, to change one key thing about our life throughout the week. Now, it might be where we sleep, and I'm not going to give it away. You might not be sleeping in your bed one night this week. It might be that you change your diet one day this week. It might be that you've got a different habit in taking care of someone that you know this week. It might be that those differences are made. And when those differences are made in your week, you'll have an opportunity to reflect on them from the viewpoint of a child living in poverty on the other side of the world, and in our case, in Bolivia. So children living in poor areas of, of Bolivia live a certain way every day that is foreign to us. The Matthew 25 challenge gives us the opportunity to live in their shoes, to walk in their ways, to get an example, a little snapshot of what it's like to be them. And in fact, I'm going to play a little video clip now of what the Matthew 25 challenge is going to do for us. So I want you to take a look at this, if you will. There's so much that uh, we take for granted and that we maybe don't see all the time because we get caught up so, uh, so much in our lives and, and, and our struggles. So it was just kind of eye-opening to walk in other people's shoes. It was also very um, enlightening uh, for me to read about the stories that we received each day and watch those videos that were very powerful, that really gave you um, a different perspective of what others uh, really go through on a daily basis. In one word, the Matthew 25 challenge would be inspirational. You know, just learning about others and what others go through that it made me want to take a step back and reflect in our life and see what we can do to help others. Being able to see how others live just made me see things different. It made me, me uh, reflect on the things that uh, I have and how I really want to share and to give back. So the Matthew 25 challenge does this. Every day you receive a new challenge. And on the first day, it deals with what we eat. So I'm not going to give too much of that away, but very simply what it does is it gives us the opportunity to text in a key number.
which we'll give you at the end of worship today, text that number and include the word TSN and you'll be automatically enrolled in the Matthew 25 challenge. Now, do you have to do stuff to earn your salvation this week? Answer together. No, you do not. This gives us an opportunity to walk in the shoes of someone else. And I would suggest this. When you walk in the shoes of someone else and you empathize with where they are, you are walking in the way of Jesus. When you find yourself in the place of someone else who is suffering, you can understand in just a little bit what it's like to be them, to empathize and to care for them. When that happens, you are walking in the shoes of Jesus. You are following him. You're following in his footsteps. You're walking in his ways. You're taking on a new way of life. And what that does for us is it changes the way we respond to other people. It gives us an opportunity to lead them, to provide for them, to shepherd them, to care for them. And in doing so, who is also cared for? You and me. See, God set it up that way on purpose. He gave us a new set of shoes to try on, the shoes of Jesus. And they are the best possible fit for the steps of our lives. So I'd invite you to take the Matthew 25 challenge this week. And as we get to the end of worship today, I'll give you some instructions on how to do that. But as we do that, think of every day's opportunity as an opportunity to worship God. And follow in the footsteps of his son, Jesus. Would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to empathize. Thank you for the opportunity to see the life of someone else we know from a different point of view. The point of view of you and your son. Thank you for giving us the chance to support someone else. To help them to grow. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to care in a new way. Sometimes people live in a life of pain and disadvantage, difficulty and oppression. Some of us are that way, spiritually and emotionally. We need each other and we need the church to wrap around each other and care for each other. And at the same time, you've taught us that any time we do something for the least of these, we are doing it for you, meaning we walk in your way. We walk in your love and in your light. So God, as we worship now, we ask that you would change the nature of our hearts. Help us to understand which shoes we wear and whose steps we follow in. We pray all this in your name and trust you for next steps. Together we say, amen and amen.